This podcast is a production of WCWP, LIU Public Radio. Check out our lineup of original programs, listen live, or support by visiting WCWP.org. Hello and welcome to Glen Cove Spotlight. I'm Eric Schumann and Carolyn is not able to join us today. I'd like to introduce our guest for today's show, the very special... Kathy Flynn, director of the Glen Cove Library. Thank you for being with us today, Kathy. Thank you for having me, Eric. Appreciate it. We're very honored to have you. The Glen Cove Public Library is a huge part of the city of Glen Cove and does so much for our residents. And we definitely want to talk about all of the wonderful programs and activities that you have in the library. But first, I'd like to get to know you a little bit better. We always like to do this with our guests. So please let me know a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up? Uh, Where do you currently live? Maybe a little bit about your family. Okay. Um, I grew up on Long Island, actually, in Melville, southern part of Huntington. And um, I was there until I went to college. I moved to Connecticut to go to college and from there went up to Massachusetts. Um, When I was in college, I had a job at the Barnes and Noble bookstore on campus and I just really enjoyed working there. I enjoyed working with books. Um, So when I graduated, I looked up in New Hampshire and uh, at Lake Winnipesaukee, they had an opening at a Walden bookstore, and I applied for that uh, as a manager. And they told me that was filled, but they do have an opening in Methuen, Massachusetts. And could I be there in four days? Wow. So I, I said yes, and having no idea where Methuen, Massachusetts was. <laughs> never. <laughs> but um Said yes, threw everything in my car and went up there and spent a couple of years working in bookstores up there, um, which was more trade books as opposed to textbooks on campus. Um, And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I have to confess, um, I didn't start out in school loving reading. I went as a phys ed major. I wanted to play basketball and softball, and I um, was a little better at at athletics than at um, academics. And um, about halfway through college, I ended up reading a book, something new for me. Um, It was Catch-22 by Joseph Heller. And it dawned on me then that the all these novels out there are talking about life, about what we go through, about the philosophies that we have in life. Um, Catch-22, I think, caught my attention because of all the times that you come up against it. Uh, when you go out and say, I'd like a job, and they say, well, you need experience. You say, well, I can only get experience if I have a job. Okay, and that goes around in a circle, a circle, and it, it just comes up a lot. Um, so I, I got hooked right there. I changed to be an English major, and just I haven't stopped reading since then. Wow, that's fantastic. And, and when did you end up coming back to Long Island? Um, that was about 20 years ago. I was uh, 
up in Massachusetts for about 20 years. And then I came back to Long Island and I had worked for Barnes and Noble the whole time in Massachusetts, but for their trade stores, uh, what they called their super stores where they had the cafe and the comfortable chairs. And a big part of my job was going in in the morning and testing the cappuccino to make sure it was good <laughs> for the day. Um, making sure the pastries that we had to offer were fresh. Um, and I, I just loved it. People come into bookstores and all they want to do is talk about books, um, whether it's staff, customers, everybody. It, it is so, interesting because I remember going to several of these huge bookstores like Barnes and Noble, as you said, and it was an experience. It, 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 you went in and it wasn't just your typical bookstore. I mean, there was, first of all, every book you can imagine. But like you said, there's an area to eat. There's an area to sit. There's an area to discuss, uh, you know, items and everything. There were all different things other than books for sale. It was really quite unique when they first started really popping up everywhere. Yes. Yeah. That, and they were doing programming there too, which we didn't think about it as programming at the time, but we had cooking demos in the middle of the store um, where we would just set up chairs and have, you know, 20, 30 people show up and one of the local chefs come and do a cooking demonstration for us. Um, so I, I was in my glory there. I have to admit it was just wonderful experience. Um, so from there, how did you end up at the Glen Cove library? Good question. I came back to Long Island. I said, I, I've, I've worked every Friday after Thanksgiving, which is part of retail. Um, and I was looking to do something different. <clears throat> my uh, brother-in-law I was talking to, and he said to me, you like books. Why don't you become a librarian? And my response was, who in the hell wants to be a librarian? <laughs> that's, that's, if you've seen the, the older movies with Katherine Hepburn, uh, where she's a librarian and the glasses, the bond, the, you know, single, just, and um, it's a wonderful life. They had Donna Reed's character who, uh, you know, if George wasn't there, I'd be single. I'd be closing up the library at night, wearing a black cape. And <laughs> just, this is the saddest thing that could possibly happen. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess my, my views of a librarian were a little different. Also having worked in bookstores, I didn't really have a need to go to libraries that much. So as they were changing over the 90s and all, I, I kind of got on board a little late for that. Um, but since 2000, I did go to school. I did get the degree in uh, library science and followed that up with the degree in human resource management and labor relations, um, which has come in tremendously handy. Uh, and uh, and I just liked it. I started taking classes at Queens College and I never expected my first class would be to walk into a classroom and they had a computer totally taken apart in the middle of the room and parts of a computer nobody should see sitting there. Um, <laughs> so a lot of it was, was just learning computers and um, what you could do with them and 
each class I took, it was just more and more exciting because it was more new things. Um, you know, it wasn't just being the gatekeeper of the books and making sure people were quiet. And, you know, I did have a degree in, um, I can do that. <laughs> uh, there, there definitely a little more to it. Now, when it comes to the Glen Cove Library, did you go straight from uh, the retail uh, avenue straight to after, of course, school and everything to go back to being a librarian? Did you go right to Glen Cove Library or were you somewhere else first? I went somewhere else first. Um, when I was with Barnes & Noble, I did have a number of positions on college campuses in their bookstores. And um, so being comfortable on a college campus, I started out in academic libraries uh, and, and teaching classes there. I enjoyed while I was doing, uh, at the Glen Cove Library. And I said, well, I've never worked in a public library, so let me try this. <laughs> and I came and they hired me as a director here. Um, I've been here a little over nine years now and it's a whole different world than academic libraries. Um, the things that I'm able to do and try out and you know, reach people of all different ages uh, um, has been tremendous. And libraries are becoming more like community centers now. So we are able to try quite a few different things than, than what they were restricted to before. Yeah, um, I, I just saw all of the activities you have, you know, created live stream specifically just for April, and it's astounding, and we will definitely get to all of that. So for people who uh, don't know the Glen Cove Library, can you tell us where it's located, its hours, and maybe um, a little bit about the history of the building? Certainly. Um, we're located at 4 Glen Cove Avenue. Uh, which according to the Glen Cove Building Department doesn't exist, but we really are here. I just don't know how to correct GPS. Um, and which is across from the fire department. Um, our hours were uh, nine to nine Monday through Thursday, nine to five on Friday, Saturday, and we were open four hours on Sunday. Um, COVID cut us back a little bit. Uh, most of the libraries on um, in Nassau County have cut their hours back um, during this past year just to see what we could do, what we were capable of doing, what kind of you know effect it would have, what uh, if it would be welcomed or there would be resistance to it. And so trying to keep everybody safe. Um, They've cut back on hours. Right now we're open nine to five, Monday through Saturday. And hoping to get more hours soon. Uh, people who worked on the day that obviously isn't convenient for them, uh, except for the Saturday hours. So we are trying to um, extend our hours a little bit on that. And for people who, let's say, don't visit the library really as much as they should, what would you say is the most important thing about a library? Why are libraries important? I think it's the variety of things that we're able to do now. Uh, reading is a basic. So we have an adult literacy department now. 
children's department has always focused on literacy for different ages um, and taught skills in, in that way. We're able to have books now that will talk to children so they can follow along and you know do a little bit of learning on their own if they want. Uh, and we have uh, just some excellent ch children's librarians who keep coming up with new programs and all for them. Um, it's also a, uh, a site for socializing. Uh, be before COVID, we, we were packed every day from 2.30 on when school got out. There was not a chair available in the library. Uh, it was just packed. People are like being out, like socializing with their neighbors, um, coming to programs in the afternoon, coming in just to talk, find books. And so it is an outreach um, program. And it is something that in some ways we pick up um, where the school has to deal with hundreds, thousands of kids. Some of them, you know, kind of slip through the cracks. And we have uh, the privilege of being able to, you know, try to identify those kids. Um, we have classes here, as I said, in, in literacy, uh, in, in how to get a job and how to learn a language, um, all types of things like that. And we've had, actually last week, we just had another person uh, pass the citizenship and that makes 23 people that we've taught. Um, so we're very pleased to do that. Wow, that's um, incredible. And we're also teaching TASC, which was GED when I was a little younger. It's the high school equivalency test. Um, and to see students who are able to get a high school degree because they've taken intensive classes here for up to a year. And, and just the look on their face, you know, they're able to do so much more. Just that, that one degree makes all the difference in the world for some people. We had one gentleman who passed the test and within two weeks he was calling Nassau Community College and checking into going to college um, to give himself even more opportunities. So those are things we just, you know, very proud of how we've been able to help in that, again, my staff has been absolutely tremendous. Um, there's many times they keep pushing me saying, you know, I have this idea, this idea, this idea. And my job is just to stand back and say, go for it, do it. That sounds great. And, and they've done it. So, very fulfilling. And what do you think is so special about Glen Cove, all the residents that come to your library? What do you think it is about Glen Cove that makes this city special? They're all related. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or they all know each other, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of families apparently that grew up in Glen Cove and their children stay in Glen Cove or come back to Glen Cove um, because they just they like it growing up here the parks, the activities, um, the sense of community. It's, it's what I think of as a small town. 
Um, so many people take part in what the community does. So many people volunteer to help. Um, we just had the 350th anniversary two years ago and just being a part of that and seeing how everyone was just excited and, and really, you know, uh, gave us some wonderful ideas about how to celebrate the city. Well, Kathy, we're going to take a quick break. So we're going to come back and continue with our guest, Kathy Flynn. You're listening to Glencove Spotlight on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. Welcome back to Glencove Spotlight. I'm Eric Schumann, and I'm here with our very special guest, Kathy Flynn, director of the Glen Cove Library. Thanks again for being here with us today, Kathy. Thank you. So we were just talking about uh, what makes Glen Cove special and, and the beautiful public library we have here. Um, obviously, COVID caused some issues and some problems for you and your staff and, of course, everyone that enjoyed the library. Um, what were some difficulties you had throughout the pandemic and what were some changes you needed to, to make because of the pandemic? Um, one of them, as I mentioned before, we had to cut our hours back somewhat. Um, we do insist that people wear masks and do six foot distancing when they're in the library. Um, and I think the hardest part for us is that it's so quiet here now. We just, there's very few people who come in in person and uh, that's been, that's taken an adjustment for us. We're, we're used to it being a very busy place and very active. Um, so to try to help with that, one of the things we did, we expanded our home book delivery. Uh, so people could call up and ask for books, DVDs, music, whatever they needed. And um, we would go to their house and do contactless deliveries. Uh, just let them know we're out there. We're leaving a package by their door. And so they could get books that way, pick them up and exchange them. For uh, the craft programs that we have, particularly for the kids, we would take the crafts, all the supplies that were needed for a particular craft and put those together in a bag and they could come with their parents and pick up the supplies. And then like the day before we had a program, the following day they would have a Zoom program showing the kids what to do, how to make the craft and um, all like that. We also have a channel on YouTube and our librarians have um, put up some programs on what we offer here, on what we are able to do during the pandemic. Um, they also will record things about making the crafts in case the children aren't able to see them at the time they're aired, they're still available to them. Um, I know you've made some adjustments like to the spacing, right? In the kids area? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, we had to take away all these soft, fluffy things. Um, <laughs> and the, the little interactive computers because of the touch screens and stuff, right? Right. Right. Yeah, anything we do have out, we're cleaning 24-7, just constantly. Uh, we've closed twice already, uh, trying to be proactive in cleaning the library. Unfortunately, a number of libraries in Nassau have had to close because they've had staff members come down with COVID. And 
So they would close for a while and do the cleaning and all. Um, I just realized that it's actually been one year since we closed. March 13th was our last day open in 2020. And um, we're very lucky. Nobody has contacted COVID here. We haven't heard from any of our patrons who, who have it. Um, and we're hoping to keep that up. I know all the libraries, when they receive any materials back from the public, they have a four-day quarantine. So the materials are quarantined and then cleaned before they're checked in and put on the shelves. And um, CDC has been sending out numerous things on how to quarantine things, on how long it takes for something to um, not appear on a leather cover on a plastic cover, um, you know, different types of materials. And so we've been paying attention to that. Um, and so far, as I said, it's worked. We haven't had anyone come down uh, with COVID or get sick. So fingers crossed that keeps going. Yeah, you guys did a great job of making sure everyone is safe and everyone, uh, you know, is, is taken care of properly under the current circumstances. So. Um, thank you for, for taking care of that. Cause I know a lot of people really were happy that they still had the library available to them, even during the pandemic under certain hours and certain ways. But the fact that you were delivering DVDs and books directly to them, I mean, what an incredible service that you, uh, offered. I mean, th th that was absolutely amazing. And I know a lot of people really appreciated that. Yeah, that was popular. Also our, um, copy machines that do scanning and faxing, and you can also remotely uh, send a copy into the library, and you just have a passcode, you put it in when you get here, and it'll print things out for you. Um, and that's just a very active part of the library. So we made sure that that was available to people. And um, just another thing that we made sure was clean, constantly cleaned. And one of the great things I think uh, that you guys do there too is make sure that everyone is aware of what's going on. You guys let, uh, are all over social media. Like you said, you have a YouTube channel. Um, so tell us how you keep in touch with everybody and how you use that social media and where they can maybe uh, like your page or, or get this information from you. Okay, we do have Facebook and Instagram and they're on our website, which is glencovelibrary.org. Um, and trying to keep up with uh, people and get the word out. There were a lot of things that we, um, we started here and tried to promote, and we found out we were missing a big chunk of our audience by not having um, uh, social media. And so we've gotten into that. The, uh, most of my staff lives in Glen Cove. And they're familiar with what's going on. We keep an eye on like Glen Cove neighbors and different sites like that. Um, and so we're able to, you know, just as soon as possible, get things up online. And we've had a, a tremendous response from that. Um, one of the things we're doing right now is that we have, we have a history room in the library and we've received a photo where there's four men there. We know one of them. 
And so we put that online to see if anybody else can name the other three. Um, so just trying to get information that way. We've done this in the past and it's worked. Uh, people do know each other here. And so they've been very helpful as far as keeping the history room up to speed, as far as providing information about the past. Uh, we've had gentlemen who have lived in town all their lives come in and just sit down and shoot the breeze for four hours about, do you remember when, do you know this one, do you know, who'd you go to school with and all of that. So um, it is, it is a lesson every day for us. And the library is always adapting, always changing, always improving. I know that recently you guys put in a brand new team zone. Can you talk to us about that? Certainly. Um, we, we wrote a grant to, have some renovations done in the library. One of the things we realized was um, that we were encouraging teens to come in. We were having more programming for teens and they'd come in and we'd tell them, shut up and get out of here. <laughs> and it wasn't really a very welcoming <laughs> attitude to have. So we, we did build a team room that's enclosed. Uh, teens are you know, 16, 17, 18, they're not going to be comfortable going into the children's room. And we have space issues, limited space here, but we built an enclosed teen room so that when they get out of school, they can come and just socialize, hang out, talk for a while. And then if they want to, you know, use the computers, we, we put computer games in there. The, the industry for computer gaming is just blowing up tremendously. And so we wanted people to be familiar with that. We have a number of computers. We have an iMac. I'm oh, the 3D printer was one of the, the big things that we had, uh, that we have, and we've made things from. And we sent out to the businesses in Glen Cove information about the 3D printer. So since everyone doesn't have one uh, in their home, if they want to make something on the 3D printer, we can do that for them or help them make it or do it for them. And um, so that's been super handy. And another thing that we're just able to teach the teens about uh, some of the electronic devices and all that they'll have to know uh, when they graduate. Yeah, the 3D printer is actually pretty amazing. And I guess there's actually no charge for teens, right? That's correct. Which is unbelievable because a device like this with the materials is extremely costly. So having a service like this right at their local library is pretty amazing. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to do it as it's not an affordable thing to have in your home. Um, and so this way, <coughs> excuse me, students have access to it. Um, they can see how it works. They can see what they can make from it the designs that are already available to them and how to create their own designs and put those in the machine. And then we display all the things that people have made. <laughs> and I mean, it, it also shows kids a brief little bit of engineering, a brief little bit of coding, all these very important, you know, uh, uh, items that they might need later in life, whether it's a career or just in general. So um, I think that's pretty incredible, too. Yeah, the, the coding, we kind of caught on to the fact that 
people are um, teaching that to two and three year olds, uh, just with different blocks and things where, you know, if I hit this switch this way, then this will happen. If I hit this switch this way, this will happen. And just the basics of it. And they're going through all the grades. And so we've tried, we're trying to keep up with getting all the materials for that. Um, and, and then our job is to explain to the parents how it works so they can help explain to the kids. <laughs> right. I mean, these are important skills that they're learning. So it's great that you have something like that there. And, and not only do you have a teen area, you also have a wonderful kids area. I, I've brought my children several times. You've had wonderful crafts in there. There's puzzles they can play with, tons and tons of books to read. They love seeing the little fish tank as they come in. Uh, they see the puppet shows downstairs. So you also have wonderful activities and a wonderful area for the younger kids as well. Yes. Yeah. I, we, we do wish it was bigger, but um, we're, we're sacrificing a little bit on space for, to keep the location that we have. It's within walking distance of a lot of things, including downtown Glen Cove. And so we'd like to keep the location and we just do as much as we can with the kids. We have an area outside next to the library that we've also made use of to, for some of the programs we have and all. Um, and it's tremendous. Our summer reading program has just grown and grown and it seems to make a big difference in kids not having um, two, three month lapses in learning that they can continue learning and, and doing different things during the summer or on their weeks off. I remember my kids also doing a program that you offered. I think it was like a hundred books a year, if I'm not mistaken. A thousand books before kindergarten. A thousand books before kindergarten. So each kid had to submit as many books as they could read. And then they were offered little prizes for, for completing certain amount of books. Um, it really, really helped my oldest son a lot. He really got into it. He wanted to get as many prizes as he couldn't be a part of it. And it really inspired him to, to read more and to, to get on top of it. So it was a wonderful program. And now my middle child starting to do it too, the reading, and hopefully we'll, we'll join up with that program as well. Excellent. Excellent. And that's the kind of feedback we love to hear. Um, anything we do, we've been doing that for pro particular program for a couple of years now, and it has gotten, um, it has become very popular uh, it's good that kids can get to read that just that it's on their mind, even if they read the same book three times, three days in a row, uh, the idea of reading they're making time for and doing that or listening to somebody read to them. And, so we're and very happy about that. It's also nice to, to have the kids meet other kids that might not go to their school, since we do have several different schools here, especially for the younger kids. And being able to go in and not just read books, but also do crafts and then interact with other kids. And, and you know, they were so proud of all the, the little projects they, they make because you almost do something for every single holiday. So it was really nice to go in there, get a book, do a craft, meet other kids, and uh, maybe create some friendships, which is also a wonderful idea. Yes, no, that that is wonderful. Socializing for kids in particular is, is great. And we found out from some of the parents that when they the kids were young, 
they would bring them into the library because they got to meet other parents with young kids. And so even the, the parents, so grownups would, um, would socialize when they were here and see what, what activities and all we had, which was good. Can you tell me a little bit about your e-readers and e-books program? I know that uh, you have, uh, I think, like eight Kindle e-readers, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, we do. Um, we started out with the Nooks, and, but the Kindles, we found out, were much more popular. So we have those uh, for people who want to read books online. And one of the things we're trying to do is just to offer people either a Nook or a Kindle take it home, play with it, see if this is something you might want to buy before you spend the money buying it and find out you don't really care for reading books online. Um, so we still have print books. Some people are nervous about. They like the print. Um, we still have that, but we offer the other options as well. And our, our usage of eBooks has just gone through the roof. Um, we hit over a million two years ago and with COVID, it was just a great way for people to be able to stay home and still get new books that they wanted, put books on hold, um, get audio books. It's another thing available there. And so that's been tremendous. Um, the... 54 libraries in Nassau work as a consortium with ebooks since they don't have to physically be in one place. We just put them all together. Each library contributes some funding. And so everybody, all the residents in Nassau County have a selection of a huge amount of titles and um, which is good. And the popular ones we buy more of so that people don't have to wait as long for them. Uh, which is good. And so, yeah, that's been um, a tremendous, you know, we just watched the numbers go up and up as 2020 went on uh, because people wanted, still wanted to read books and we were able to find a way to provide that. That's incredible, especially with such a selection and anyone in Nassau County, as long as they're a part of a library can experience that. That's, that's a wonderful Wonderful offering. All right. Well, Kathy, we're going to take a quick break. So we're going to stay right here. But when we come back, we will continue with our guest, Kathy Flynn. You're listening to Glen Cove Spotlight on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. Welcome back to Glen Cove Spotlight. I'm Eric Schumann. And with me today is my special guest, Kathy Flynn, director of the Glen Cove Library. Thanks again for being here with us, Kathy. Thanks for having me here. Now, we were just talking about the e-readers and e-books before we took our short break. I want to kind of go into that a little bit more and make sure uh, our listeners know just how easy this is. So all they have to do is go to the Glen Cove Library website, and then what do they have to do? There's on the front page, there's an icon that says uh, Nassau Libraries. And it's, um, I believe, Nassau Libraries and then Overdrive, which is the platform that we use for ebooks. And if they click on that, they'll be taken into a page that asks for their uh, library card number. And no matter what library you're from, 
you can put your number in there and you'll be able to borrow ebooks um, and audiobooks as well. They download uh, for two weeks and then they disappear, but they're renewable again. You haven't finished reading it. They're still, they'll still be available. Um, it's an expensive service to offer only because if you as an individual go into a store and you want to purchase an ebook, or if you go online and you want to purchase an ebook, that may cost you $12.99, $13.99. When a library purchases an ebook, it costs us $110, $120 for that same ebook. Okay, because the publishers know it's going to be read by a number of different people. And so uh, we've been very lucky to find out that people are very interested in ebooks and audiobooks. And the amount of times that they do get downloaded and read is well worth anything that we're paying for them. And we also have the consortium of 54 libraries that combine all the books so that all the residents of Nassau County have the selection of all of the ebooks for all of those libraries. And you could take out up to 10 of these ebooks at a time? Up to 10 at a time. And um, we've recently um, added magazines to that. So we have a couple of hundred magazines that are now online. And if you want to just skim through a magazine or you want to read one article or something like that, um, those are available. If you want to get organized, I think there's 18 magazines on how to get organized. <laughs> Big thing now. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's it's been tremendous. Um, as we've gone through the years, we've just seen tremendous growth in people using that. And obviously during the pandemic for people to be able to stay home and still get new books whenever they want, 24-7. They can do that. It's just such a great service. And I'm now going to take advantage of it because I'm slowly getting into the, the ebooks. So I'll, I'll definitely let you know how it goes for me. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Please. Um, so let's talk about all these other ama amazing services that we haven't even touched uh, yet. So talk about uh, the social services that uh, you provide, especially for, for seniors um, with your, um, your staff there. Okay. Um, we've partnered up with Stony Brook, uh, their master's program in social services um, and or social work degrees. What they do is they take very strong interns that they have, people who are usually in at least their second year of the program and who they feel are going to be more likely to approach people um, and offer services, let people know who they are, what they're there for, what they do. Um, we, we've been doing this for two years and it's been tremendously successful. Um, people, you know, love to come in. They have somebody to talk to. There's no stigma about walking into a library and talking to someone. If you have to fill out a form um, to get services that you're entitled to and you're stuck with that, or if you have to make a phone call, you know, it's not just handing you the phone number or giving you a form. 
they'll sit down with you. They'll explain it all. They'll fill it out. They'll make the phone call while you're sitting there and, you know, let you know what's going on with it. They do follow-up work on almost everybody they see to make sure that they got what they uh, came in and asked for. And this year we were very lucky. The two social workers that we got were, um, one of them is, has experience and expertise in working with senior citizens. So services that are available to seniors, um, they, uh, they know what's around in Glen Cove and all what to, what's offered. And the other one, uh, the other social worker is fluent in Spanish and English. And that's helpful in Glen Cove. Absolutely. Uh, um, one of the things that we did with them is the Interagency Council, I don't know if you're familiar with, they, we have about 48 agencies uh, that offer human services within Glen Cove. And actually 50 years ago, celebrating their 50th anniversary this year, um, Rhoda Finer, uh, who's done many things in the city, was one of the founding members of the IAC. And um, it's, it's networking basically among people who offer different services. So if somebody comes into any of our establishments and asks for help, we know if we can help them or if there's somebody else available who can. And we have contact people within those other services. Um, so that we just gave a listing of that, those to the social, social workers. And that's been very helpful for them to just be able to get into that network and find out where they can get help. That's wonderful. And they can still do that even at this time during the pandemic, or is that something that might happen further down when things open up again a little bit more? No, they can do it now as well. Um, Since we're unable to open the teen room to teens, because of the size of it, if you put 10 teens in there, there is no way they're going to be six feet apart. Um, and, and we do get a lot of teens coming in to use that room. So we repurposed it for now during the pandemic. And that's where our social workers uh, have meetings with people, who, patrons who come in and have questions. That's great. Now, you have a, a wonderful garden outside in the front. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, I think it's your seed library, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Um, we started that four years ago, I believe, having a seed library here where people can sign up and become members. And with the membership, you can select 20 different types of seeds that you'd like to plant. We have vegetables and flowers, all different types. We have Programs, actually our programs are starting, coming soon. The very end of March uh, is one of our first programs for the seed library on what to plant, when to plant it, um, how to take care of things, and how to sow the seeds at the end of the season so that you can continue to do that the following year. Um, We have experts from Cornell Cooperative come in. Uh, They're master gardeners, and they present some of the programs that we offer. Um, And it's been tremendously successful. The gardens that are out front are demonstration gardens. And so we do some programs hands-on with people 
standing around helping us uh, plant seeds and all, um, grow flowers. That was supposed to be just a little part of our front uh, entranceway there, and it's kind of grown and grown, and <laughs> but the popularity of it has grown as well. So we're trying to keep up with that. That's great. And and is that for all ages? Yes, it is. Now, I know in the past, before the pandemic, you offered some wonderful trips. I believe it was even monthly, if I'm not mistaken, or every couple of months you at least had one. Uh, are you going to be starting up that program again once everything opens up um, and maybe want to talk about how someone could maybe find out about those trips? Certainly. Um, the trips are mentioned in our newsletter, which, again, is on the front page of our webpage. It just says current newsletter, and you can click in there. We do two months at a time so that you have a chance to plan ahead. And the trips are still going on. They're just virtual now. So we have tours through museums. Um, the one through MoMA is coming up, uh, Museum of Modern Art. And they have been so successful. The first one we did, we had over 300 people sign up on Zoom for that. Wow. And it ended up lasting two hours instead of an hour because people were just, they wanted more information. They, they were very much into it. And so we're going to continue to do those types of things. Um, we've been very lucky in that uh, we hooked up with a place called Pro Literacy out of California. Um, in addition to doing a number of things and giving us grants and all for literacy, they also provide 500 spaces on Zoom for half the price that you would pay for 100, if you're a member. And so we were able to get the 500 and pay less. And um, so we're, we're able to get the people at the programs. We have an author series that also uh, tops 100 many times for people coming, uh, signing up for that where we'll have a first time author come in and talk about their book, what, what inspired them to write it, how they went about it. Uh, and we started that about two years ago and that's just gotten more and more popular. And we're finding people from all over Long Island are, are signing up for the author series. That's wonderful. Now, speaking of uh, literacy, um, I believe you add an adult literacy section, is that correct? Yes, it is. Yeah, Can you talk we, to us about that? Um, added a few programs at a time. It's, it's officially a, one of our departments now. We have 19 programs currently running. Um, <coughs> excuse me. ESL is the most popular one. There's a lot of people that, that need to learn um, English and so we offer those classes at different times during the day for people who can make it at nights on weekends for people who are working and can't make it during the day. We have um, classes on task, which is the current name for GED, the uh, high school equivalency exam. And we've had people come in that's that's pay a little bit of money for so we can get the books for you. And that's it. The rest of the class is free. They go for about a year because there's a lot of information, particularly science and mathematics on the exams. And um, 
we've had a couple of people who have passed the exams. We have another eight people, in fact, eight students who are going to be taking the exam in June. Um, but to just to experience that is tremendous to see somebody who's gotten their degree and realize how many doors are open to them now that they have that uh, all the different things that they can pursue and get jobs in or, or just, you know, follow their dreams to what they want to do. Um, we had one young man who even, you know, was thinking about college, I think practically before they mailed him his degree for high school. He just went right out and wanted to take advantage of it. That's fantastic. Um, we have a number of conversation classes on uh, some people just are more relaxed and can do things if their hands are busy. So we have craft classes where people will speak either English or Spanish, depending on the class, uh, depending on what they want to learn or practice. We have um, teachers, uh, Spanish teachers from the local schools who will come in to practice their Spanish and make sure it's up to a level that, that they want it to be. Um, we have, uh, what else, technology classes. We offer in English and Spanish. One of the first things I did coming into the library was to look at the demographics of uh, Glen Cove and found out that 30% of the people speak Spanish at home. And that was based on the uh, 2010 census. So that's grown and there's, we've started trying to offer as many things as we can in both languages. That's great. And I have to say one of the, my favorite, well, there's obviously besides books, there's two services I absolutely love that the library provides. And that's your incredible DVD section because my kids absolutely love it. And uh, your museum passes, which is, Absolutely incredible. And I highly recommend everyone to take advantage of this. Can you talk to us a little bit about your program with our, the local museums? Certainly a lot of the museums are very good about giving libraries passes so that our patrons can use them and uh, get into museums without having to pay a fortune. If you bring a family and you have two or three kids, you know, mom and dad, that is up to a lot of money. Uh, yep. <laughs> so <laughs> you've been there. Huh? <laughs> the passes do help with that. Um, we've also started with an empire pass where people don't have to pay uh, the outrageous parking fees at some of our state parks and beaches and all of that. They can just take an empire pass and be able to go in with that. So that, you know, makes it a little more doable for many people. Uh, as the parking prices and everything else go up, uh, they can use that. The, the passes, we have everything from the Children's Museum to the Intrepid um, to the, the uh, Aeronautics Museum down here in Nassau. Um, also, the smaller museums like the Whale Museum in uh, Cold Spring Harbor, um, the museum out in Stony Brook. Uh, and this is a tremendous way for people to, you know, they don't have to pay a fortune, but they can go out and visit these museums 
um, and learn about what they want to and have their kids learn about museums and what they want to do. And there's so many to, to choose from, from, you know, like you said, like the Botanic Gardens, the Holocaust Memorial and Tolerance Center, the Museum of the City of New York, Planting Fields Arboretum, Brooklyn Botanic Garden. I mean, there's so many. Guggenheim, uh, they just have to go to your website to see. In fact, some of these museums, you could just print the pass out at home. You don't even have to come into the library to pick up those passes. Yes, we tried to get the museums to um, cooperate with us on that a year or so ago because people having to return the pass immediately was problematic. So anyone who would go along with the printing their own, it just has the date on it and you use it on that date and then they can toss it away. Uh, So as you said, they don't have to come into the library to pick it up and then again to return it. Now, we have uh, not too much time left, but I do want to let everybody know to go to glencovelibrary.org so they can view all of your wonderful programs, these museum passes, get all those ebooks. But can you tell us a, a, a selection? Because there's so many. I'm looking at a packet here. Our viewers can't see it, of course, but there's a packet here. And these are just the activities for adults that you have virtually. And there's something pretty much every day, most days, several times a day. Um, and this isn't even for what you offer for kids and, and, and teenagers as well. So can you tell us a few of maybe some of the big um, live stream events that you have coming up in April? Certainly. As I mentioned before, the author series is very popular. Um, during the pandemic, we've been trying to do more programs, meditation, yoga, um, that type of thing, so that to help people kind of relax. I think it's strong in different ways for everybody. And so we've noticed attendance in those classes has really kicked up. Um, Brain fitness is another one that we've offered um, for seniors in particular, uh, how to keep your brain active and, and keep learning. And that became very popular as an in-person class. And it's even more so online. We have more attendees for that. Um, there's your garden series, right? <laughs> the garden series yeah. is another one. Yes. That's going to be starting the end of March and we're looking forward to that. Well, everybody, I highly recommend if you're not a, a library hold, card holding member, get to the library, sign up uh, to become a member of the library, get your library card, go to uh, glencovelibrary.org, see just how much they offer. It really is incredible just how much you offer for all ages every day. So thank you so much, Kathy Flynn, for being our special guest today. And we really appreciate all that you do and your staff does for all of uh, the residents of Glencove. Thank you for having me, Eric. I appreciate it. And I hope everyone can come down and, and get a card and come in and say hi. Well, I would like to thank our guest again, Kathy Flynn, the director of the Glen Cove Library. Um, and thank you all for uh, listening today. Uh, you've been listening to Glen Cove Spotlight on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. Have a great weekend. Enjoy. Like what you hear? Here's how you can let us know. Give us a call at 516-299-2626 or email us at info at wcwp.org. Like us at facebook.com slash mywcwp and leave a comment or tweet us at mywcwp. We welcome all kinds of feedback. 
to directly support the podcast you just enjoyed, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to give back, visit WCWP.org and click the support tab. Thanks for listening from your friends at WCWP.